I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. The Mason magic continues, Steelers fans. We may have football in January, and I'm not just talking about the last week of the season. We may have deep January football coming from this Pittsburgh Steelers team that we, on a weekly basis, have doubted, questioned, and wondered what in the world is going to happen. Now, Jeremy Betts, we are heading to the final week of the season wondering, could the Steelers actually win a playoff game, not with Kenny Pickett, not with Mitchell Trubisky, with Mason Rudolph, <laughs> At quarterback, what could be more fitting, the legendary Jeremy Betts, as I bring you in, what could be more fitting for a year where we've seen like 60 different starting quarterbacks in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers to be led by Mason Rudolph? And yeah. we're actually talking about this team with maybe as much optimism as we have the entire season. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy what two games putting up 30-plus points with your third-string quarterback who has looked night and day to the other quarterbacks who have played in this offense this year. and. Uh, we're talking about it from the perspective of really you just need two things to go your way. You, you got to win, obviously, against Baltimore. Um, and then you've got to uh, get either a Buffalo loss or a Jaguars loss um, as your as your final thing. So not not too crazy a scenario to happen, especially when you consider it's Bills versus Dolphins for all, all the marbles there in, in that one. And it's in Miami. So you're you're talking about a a Miami team that wants to win that division, and uh, they're going to have to play tough. and And the Bills have been up and down all year. Um, you're talking about a Jaguars team going to Tennessee, where they've struggled at times as well. So the pathway is pretty clear for the Steelers to get in, which is crazy. After and I, you and me as well wrote them off for for dead. We felt it was different after. Mike Tomlin's crew lost back-to-back games to two-win teams, um, but it, it's just it's just something about uh, this team that they know how to stay in it until <laughs> until they're not welcome anymore. And I don't know if it's the year of this backup quarterback, Mason Rudolph, but in a year of the backup quarterback, uh, Mason taking his turn to shine for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the biggest moments down the stretch. Well, for those that are new to the show, this is the Pittsburgh Steelers, the Steelers Fix, brought to you by the Steel Curtain Network, powered by Fans First Sports. Here on the Fix, we talk all things Steelers with a focus on roster building and player development. As it gets into the different playoff scenarios, Jeremy, we're going to talk about in the second half of the show how far the Steelers can go with Mason Rudolph this year and beyond. But there are seven different playoff scenarios. I didn't even realize this. There's seven different scenarios the Steelers could get into the playoffs with two of which I wasn't even aware the Steelers could still lose and have a way to get in. It would require a lot of different things to happen, but it is possible. NFL playoff scenarios.com has all the different scenarios possible 
for this year. So one would be a Pittsburgh win and Buffalo loss. That is the most simple way to get in and probably the most likely way for the Steelers to get in. Obviously, Bradley Chubb being injured for uh, Miami, that is a big loss for them. But Pittsburgh win or Jacksonville loss or tie, that's also a potential scenario. Uh, and then you have a Steelers win or Indianapolis-Houston tie. If that happens, that I would not consider a likely scenario. Yeah, <laughs> You also have... Um, if you have an Indianapolis loss and a Jacksonville loss and a Steelers tie, they could get in because you would have Houston moving up to the one. And with a tie, it would work in favor over both Indianapolis and Jacksonville for that last spot. I'm, there's another scenario with a tie. But there's two scenarios, Jeremy, where a, a Steelers could actually lose and still make the playoffs. And I found this interesting, and I'd like to get your thoughts on it. Jacksonville, Indianapolis, if they both lose – and Denver wins due to common opponents, the Steelers would still be able to win it. And it would be the same. So regardless of who loses the Indianapolis-Houston game, because it works the same way for Houston, if Jacksonville loses and Denver wins, the Steelers would still make the playoffs because the NFL tie-breaking procedures, when you have three or more clubs, it goes by head-to-head first, but not head-to-head team per team when you have three or more teams it's best one loss and tied percentage in the games among the clubs that are being faced and because of when you compare that with the common opponents that uh some of these teams have faced specifically with denver and jacksonville the steelers would be able to have the edge on jacksonville who has the edge on their division team, which would either be Houston or Indianapolis. So that's crazy. Jacksonville controls the cards. The Steelers could still technically lose and make the playoffs. If enough things happened, I'd still rather win. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, A win is better. Uh, You go in with some confidence probably on a three game winning streak against, you know, two true, two true playoff contenders uh, fighting for the playoffs and a Ravens team, resting their starters probably for um, for nothing to play for now that they've locked up the one seed. But uh, the biggest thing for Pittsburgh right now is can they keep this going? I mean, it's been, it's been surreal to watch just how much more efficient Mason Rudolph is than any of the quarterbacks that have played this year. And um, so you, you've got Kenny Pickett who comes in and, just can't quite get through his progressions. I don't think it, uh, he he does a good job of that. He's not picking it up um, from that uh, re- regard very well. Um, and then you've got Mitch Trubisky, who's just just takes way too many uncalculated risks, tosses footballs up to uh, nobody in particular, hoping for a good outcome. And that's just not how it works in the NFL. You're going to get roasted if you do that. Uh, and then you got Mason Rudolph, who does work through his progressions, who does take calculated risks down the field, who stays strong in the pocket under pressure, doesn't melt and bail early. Um, And it's actually working, even though he's not super accurate in the middle of the field and on the intermediate and and short routes, it's still working to produce yards and it's working to produce points too. And uh, it's it's just a crazy thing that it's the Mason Rudolph Steelers offense that has us excited about January football and we'll get to it in the second half of the show, but just wrapping up how he played on Seattle uh, in Seattle, he didn't throw any touchdown passes, but again, 18 completions and 275 yards. That's efficiency uh, at Mm -hmm. its finest. That's what you wanted to see 
That's what we thought we could see out of this offense with some play action and a good running game. And he's the one who's bringing it to life. And none of the other quarterbacks have been able to. And I know Seattle doesn't have an incredibly great front four, really even front seven. But when you the, the, still to see the offensive line play the way that they did, not even just as run blocking, obviously credit goes to them because they dominated the line of scrimmage on the offensive side of the ball. But there were a, for a good portion of the game yesterday and even to an extent against Cincinnati, they had some issues against Cincinnati. But especially last week, the offensive line has done a little bit better in terms of pass protection. I don't know yes. if this has to do with the fact, I know he took Mason took the one sack in the first half when he literally did not move at all in the pocket. And the yeah. pocket just <laughs> collapsed on him. It's like, okay, Mason, you can move around a little bit. But I'm wondering if maybe the lack of mobility with Mason compared to the other guys is making it a little bit easier mentally for the offensive lineman, knowing that he's not moving around in the pocket. They don't have to guess where he's going. They know where he's at. And maybe just having that direct point is where we know where our quarterback's going to be in the pocket is allowing him to think a little bit straighter. Because we've talked about it, and I know Sheenan White's mentioned this as well, how just the complexity of this offensive line scheme, it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense. This what maybe one of the things that has plagued this offensive line is just the complexity of it. With Pat Meyer's system, it just hasn't seemed to work with the current guys they have on the offensive line. Do you think that maybe that had something to do with the offensive line improving? Or do you think it's just maybe coincidence that Seattle's, they're just not as good up front? What do you think was the difference as it pertains to the Steelers offensive line, especially in pass protection? Yeah, it's it's really hard to, to pinpoint a, a lot of the success to one specific area, I think, because you're talking about um, a unit that has had a lot of moving parts this season, people moving in and out of different spots. And maybe it's just that they all came together finally and we're getting it done. And um, pass protection hadn't been too bad. I don't think overall, <coughs> excuse me, but um, these last two games specifically, Mason Rudolph standing tall in the pocket, getting rid of the ball on time through his progressions has been very good. Um, and I think that, I don't know. I think he's, He's bigger, obviously, than these other two quarterbacks. Um, even Kenny Pickett, who's 6'3", 220. Mason Rudolph, 6'5", 230. I mean, this is a big dude in the pocket. He's kind of a he's kind of a statue back there as far as just a big presence, kind of an old-school presence there. And I, I just think it works better for the way this offense plays football. And with the running game playing as it is, teams can't tee off as well on the Steelers, um, even in third down situations, because it's third and six and third and five, instead of third and 11 and third and nine, you know, on a, on a regular basis. So um, I think when you, when you talk about a good Cincinnati pass rush two weeks ago, that didn't get a single sack on Rudolph uh, and then an okay Seattle pass rush that is streaky at least, um, basically getting handled by the Steelers offensive line up front. It's, it's fantastic news for um, what the Steelers want to do passing the football. But um, all that being said, Andrew, I think uh, you and I would both agree because we've been, we've been touting this all year uh, that they finally are playing like George Pickens is their number one wide receiver. They're finally feeding the beast and he's playing like a beast and oh, what what is this? He's blocking for players again. He's he's making tackles on interceptions down the field or, or on fumble recoveries down the field. 
um, he's he's being a, a total player on the field? Yeah, because somebody actually decided that they were going to use him as a wide receiver like he's supposed to be in the first place and not just um, basically say, go out there and, and run around and, and we'll make sure that, you know, you get a target every quarter. You know, that's not how it needs to go for him. He needs to be heavily targeted, heavily used, heavily schemed up, and that's what's been going on these last two weeks, and it's been working. And lo and behold, he's a good teammate again. I think it goes hand in hand here. Right. I'm, I'm not entirely excusing Pickens' behavior, but we've talked about this before. Uh, at the same time, he, he knows what he is capable of, and the whole world knows what he is capable of. People that are den- are den- just deny his talent and his ability, they're just willfully ignorant at this point. You do not know what you're talking about. This guy is one of the most talented receivers in the league, and it's amazing how winning cures all, and getting it to the guys who make plays cures all. Really, yeah. I mean, you're not hearing anything. You're not hearing any chatter in the locker room about George Pickens being a distraction. He's becoming what he needed to be in the first place what we've said the entire season you scheme him up as the number one you find play find ways to get him the football and the only thing that would concern me this about uh, a little bit about this Jeremy and it's a good problem to have because we want to see the team have success but it does concern me a little bit about does this is this going to be enough for Mike Tomlin to continue to stick with Mike Sullivan Eddie Faulkner going into the next season is your opinion changed at all on keeping them long-term I like I, I love what's going on right now but if this is the upside of the offense with them I'm still not excited about potentially making a Super Bowl run with an offense that is led by a Sullivan and a Eddie Faulkner has your opinion yeah. at all changed on the offensive structure no no those they still need to go you still got to start fresh um is it encouraging what we've seen yeah it is but um I I just think you've seen too much negativity um, to say, let's run it back with these two guys. I mean, you don't want to have co-offensive coordinators really anyway. So nobody really does that. It's working fine for the, um, for the type of setup you have to have after you fire an offensive coordinator mid season, but you don't want to do that. You want one guy calling the shots, one guy, calling the offense, setting up the plays, um, setting up the scheme. And that's why I think that the Steelers absolutely should move on from Eddie Faulkner and Mike Sullivan this offseason and and bring in somebody who can bring in the whole package and, <clears throat> and take it to another level. Um, this has been great, but we need another level. We need a new system in place. I agree 100%, but good for them. And they're doing a solid job with the cards they've been given. And for them, you know, I, I'm one who does not want to see either of them back in Pittsburgh, but hopefully for them, uh, putting on a performance like this with what they've been given, maybe another team will look at them and give them an opportunity and see if maybe some other place they can uh, continue with their football endeavors in a bigger role. Um, my hope is that's not in Pittsburgh, but uh, I, I do hope nothing but the best for them. They have done a solid job, especially with uh, being down to Mason Rudolph. You can't ask for yep. much more than what. They have given the Steelers. But anyways, we're going to take our break. But when we come back, we're going to talk more about Mason Rudolph. Can the Steelers win a playoff game with Mason? Can he maybe be in the conversation to be the Steelers quarterback in 2024 or even beyond? We're going to get into all that and more on the second half of the show. Don't go anywhere. The Steelers fact fix. We'll be right back. Hey, 
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back to the second half of the Steelers Fix. Andrew Wilbarn, Jeremy Betts with you. In the first half, we discussed the Steelers-Seahawks recap and what we thought about Rudolph, the offensive line, the offensive coordinators that are currently running the Steelers' offense. Now, Jeremy, it's time to discuss the topic of the show. And you came up with the topic of the show today, talking about how far the Steelers can go with this Mason bandwagon. The Rudolph Magic's been great for two games, but, and now, I mean, you're going into a game that's very winnable going against Baltimore's backups. But the next question is, can the Steelers actually go somewhere in the playoffs? Because I think the big reason why both of us were, we're more of the mindset, hey, let's just lose out, get a higher draft pick and see what happens. At least put Pickett back in so you can at least figure out what you have for the future with Pickett, give him a chance in a non-Matt Canada scheme. Because in the one game we saw him, he did play much better, but everything changed when Mason came in. Obviously you can't go back to picket at this point, especially right. with playoffs on the line, but not knowing what the situation is going forward. Can is, can the Steelers w- actually win a playoff game? Cause the reason I think we both were a little bit hesitant about winning out was that we're just going to get blasted in the playoffs unless we happen to be put against a team like Baltimore, who we just have typically done well against with Lamar Jackson, yeah. at quarterback. What do you think of this team with Mason Rudolph in the playoffs? depending on the opponent, wh- how far do you think the Steelers can go? It's it's such a tough question. Can they win a playoff game with Mason Rudolph? I, I'm going to say, I'm going to say yes, that they can. Um, because I think, I think that this game against Seattle is, was a huge litmus test for the Mason Rudolph led Pittsburgh Steelers, because this was a team that has some good pieces uh, this is an explosive offense, um, and they've got some good pieces on defense as well. <coughs> Excuse me. And they're fighting for their playoff lives in the loudest stadium in the NFL where it, they're known for just absolutely melting teams down because of how crazy the, the stadium is and um, just being such a difficult place to play. And the Steelers waltzed in there and really, uh, I don't know, just kind of walk, watching through that game, I never really felt like the Steelers didn't have a chance to score every time they touched the football. And if they can do that in Seattle, then they can for sure do that down at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami, which is nothing near like that. In fact, you might have a, a near 60-40 
split for uh, Steelers fans mm-hmm. if if they were to go down to Miami and play uh, in a playoff game um, uh, against a team that they've typically done well against as well. And even when the Steelers lost to Miami last year, it was what, 19 to or 16 to 10 or something like that. And the Steelers had a chance, had several chances in the second half to go down and score and, and never could and just really turned into a defensive struggle. I, I don't think that the Steelers should be scared, um, especially with how the defense has kind of come together despite some of the injuries that they've sustained. And um, Andrew, I don't know about you, but I think Eric Rowe and Miles Jack saved the Steelers season just as much as as Mason Rudolph did uh, on the defensive side of the ball, um, just because of how they've played the last two weeks. It's been huge for them. Um, but as far as Mason goes, yeah, I, I don't think he fears anything at this point because he's he's playing with he's playing no holds barred um, because he has been sitting on the bench for three years now, waiting for another opportunity, and he finally finally gets one. And what's this? We're winning football games with with me quarterbacking. I'm gonna go do it in the playoffs too. I absolutely do think they can win a playoff game. Will they though? Is the bigger question. Um, but yes, I do think they can. Before we get back to Mason, I think the X factor on the defensive side of the ball now becomes Jalen Smith as well. Because once you get him incorporated into everything that is going on, compared to, like, no offense to Michael Walker, but he's, yeah, he's he struggled. You, you, uh, he, is, uh, he was a great player at the collegiate level, but he, there's, he's just one of those players you can tell he's, he's not an NFL caliber player and with miles jack out there he's been a little bit better but uh, he doesn't have any range in coverage not the greatest tackler he sees things but and he can diagnose things you can tell but he's just not quick enough to react to be able to make a key difference i think if you put jalen smith next to miles jack you may see a little bit better if nothing else i think you're going to see better tackling at least in the run game once jalen smith gets involved and you put him next to miles jack i think you see a little bit of improvement in run defense but as it pertains to, you know, playoff game, I think the team you play is important, like you were saying. Uh, th- th- there's three potential teams the Steelers could play in the first yeah. round, Buffalo, Miami, or Kansas City. As much as I still do, would not want to face Patrick Mahomes in the playoffs because I, I don't doubt what they're capable of doing, we continue to see drops being an issue with those wide receivers, and we saw it again yesterday on display. Kansas City's receivers are awful. And... Travis Kelsey's getting into the action too. It's so bad. <laughs> yes, it's it's gotten really bad. And you know, Sky Moore may be back for the playoffs, but they didn't try to involve him a whole lot before that. He wasn't quite as involved with the drops factor. He's just not been a factor in the offense at all, which just is puzzling. Rasheed Rice has definitely become their number one wide receiver. But the only scenario the Steelers would play Kansas City would be if Buffalo lost, which is possible, and Jacksonville lost, which is also possible. But both of them have to happen, and the Steelers win. If I had to choose between the three teams, as much as I hate the idea of going to Arrowhead, Mason Rudolph did just take him to Seattle. And I know there were a good portion of Steelers fans there, but I, I don't think it would be any different in Kansas City. I think you would see some Steelers fans there. It would be loud, but we just saw Mason come up with a big win. And right now, Kansas City isn't a team that you're necessarily scared to face. You have that fear and you have that respect for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. But that and that defense is definitely it is a credible defense. But it's not a team you're scared about playing. And with Buffalo, they're not. A, I definitely Buffalo is not a place you want to go in December either. In the way that Buffalo is playing right now, 
not ideal. The one thing I would bring up about Miami that would concern me some is it's definitely not the the place because if there's one of the three places you want to go on the road, that would definitely be the place, just because they're not a daunting team you want to you don't you aren't that worried about play on the road. But th- my concern is just the scheme in general. Can the Steelers maintain all that speed on the defense, yeah. especially with the injuries at safety? You'd have to have Minka back for sure. You'd have to have some pieces come back in order to maintain contain all that speed on the outside with Cedric Wilson and Jalen Waddle if he comes back healthy and Tyree Kill and then the running backs a chain I could see given the Steelers fits in between even yeah. if, even in between the tackles if they create lanes I don't know if the linebackers are capable of keeping up with him in open space that that would be the thing that concerns me about playing them just because of the offensive firepower they have could the Steelers keep up with that. But I think any of those three teams in the right situation, the Steelers could win if Mason Rudolph plays to the level he has the past two weeks in the offensive line, has made holes for the running game and has allowed the run game to be successful as well, and they can control time of possession. Yeah, it is. It's a tough situation as far as schematics go for Miami, for sure. Uh, they're the team that could most easily route the Steelers. I think if you're if you're talking about. Um, Steelers ended up with a 42 to 21 score, like, um, their last playoff appearance, but, (coughs) but I would just say, you know, I I would not want to go, I would not want to go play Patrick Mahomes in Arrowhead. (laughs) Uh, That defense too, um, is one of the best units in the league. Um, so it's tough. I mean, you don't really like any of the opponents, uh, Buffalo too, um, I guess if, if you end up getting Buffalo, uh, it's because they, you know, they beat Miami. Uh, they end up with the two seed, um, or the three seed, uh, one of the, one of the two and, and Jacksonville loses and you end up with the, the six or seven and, uh, you still got to go to Orchard Park and, and Buffalo's defense is playing really well right now. I, I don't like that matchup either, but I, I just think that the Dolphins are just, they're they're just iffy enough at quarterback um, that if your pass rush heats up early in that game that you could really screw them up quick and, and keep yourselves in a game for a while and maybe even score enough points to to win a, in a shootout. Um, and, and that defense, they're going to be missing Bradley Chubb now uh, for the playoff run. Um, it's going to be tougher for them. Uh, so I still think Miami is the the best matchup potential. For the Steelers, I would much rather go to Miami than go to Arrowhead or Orchard Park and play um, Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen. Uh, I like I like um, the the chances of Rudolph coming out on top against Tua a little bit better than those. As much as I like Kansas City, and I, I usually support them if they're not playing the Steelers in the playoffs just because I like Mahomes and I like what they're doing there, it would bring me so much joy. If the Steelers went to Arrowhead, yeah, it would, and we see Taylor Swift in there, all <laughs> hyped up for the game. Travis Kelsey <laughs> drops a pass, or something happens. They get riled up. The fans start booing the offense off the field. The Steelers <laughs> come away with the win, and then the next day we hear about a Kelsey Swift breakup. Oh, you have no idea how much joy that would bring wow. the Pittsburgh Steelers fans. I, th- I think you'd see the uh, Kelsey retirement before the Kelsey Swift breakup. That's probably really true. <laughs> that really would be. If, if, yeah. if in the scenario where a sudden were to happen to Kelsey and he decided to just walk away from football, how much do you think Kansas City would be willing to trade 
to go up and get Brock Bowers? Oh man. Um, everything. <laughs> I don't know. I it's, it's either that, or they're going to trade up for one of these wide receivers that, um, is going to, I mean, they're, we're going to have grades through the roof on four or five or six wide receivers in this draft mm-hmm. class. And, um, and then offensive tackles really good too. So I don't think they're all going to go in the top 10, obviously. And then you get a chiefs team that can be aggressive that they'll go get one. Um, but yeah, Patrick Mahomes isn't going into next season with anything less than Travis Kelsey and a true number one wide receiver. That's just not going to happen. So if, if Kelsey does leave, then they're making a big time play at another big name tight end in, in the NFL. Um, you know, maybe the Vikings will move on from TJ Hawkinson since they're going to be up in the air at quarterback and he's been hurt now. Um, you know, maybe Darren Waller. I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Darren Waller. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. Maybe uh, Pat Frymuth says, Hey, you guys don't use me here in Pittsburgh. I want to go play for Patrick Mahomes. And that would be scary. I, that would be scary, scary, scary. So uh, I think that the, the chiefs are are not going into 2024 with anything less than, um Kelsey and a wide receiver one so uh if it if it has to be no Kelsey in that then they're going to go get another tight end one uh and and a and a wide receiver one to go in with that that'd be crazy though and you got to think that they would look at the veteran route as well I haven't looked super closely at the free agent wide receivers this year but I know Nico Collins is a free agent I know there's some receivers that are going to make bank on the open market I know Kansas State doesn't have a ton of cap space but I think this is something that they have to prioritize, whether it be a veteran or another young guy. The young guys haven't been working out so well. Maybe Rasheed Rice starts to turn the corner a little bit, but he's got to have someone else out there. Really, you want to get that guy who can be a true number one for that offense. Uh, yeah. if I know can- a wonderful uh, wide receiver, too, um, that's a really good route runner that wouldn't be too, too expensive, I don't think, uh, to to acquire. And so. he would be used well in Kansas City, too. I think yeah. Patrick Holmes would appreciate a guy like – uh, this guy, I definitely don't know who you're talking about, but yeah, uh, no, just, you know, generic, good route running wide receiver who sometimes runs backwards after the cat. Yeah. And happens to wear the number 18 and his Jersey for some reason always come. He usually wears a Jersey that's black and gold, but black and yellow. Uh, yeah. Black and gold. Yeah. Something. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> all of that to say, going back to all the Mason Rudolph conversation, we talked about you know how far can the Steelers go. Just throwing this out there. Let's say for your scenario, you said you want Miami. I would yes. say I'll, I'll take. I would take my chances with the team that's struggling. I would go to Kansas City. But either of those teams, let's say the Steelers come away with a win, they're most definitely playing Baltimore. Yes. Are you afraid <laughs> of Baltimore at that point going to Baltimore? Yeah. I mean, this is the team that we wanted to play all along. This team right. has played in Baltimore every year. Mason Rudolph has played in Baltimore before. And I know it's difficult to play a, a divisional team three times in a year, especially when you're the inferior team. But Lamar Jackson's only beaten the Steelers once as a starter. Yeah, I know he's the MVP of the league. I, I would look forward to that game. Yeah, I, I, don't, I wonder if the offensive scheme has come full enough circle now where it's not so Lamar Jackson-y uh, anymore that they um, would lose to Pittsburgh with all of their starters in place. But you never know. It's part of it is the, is just the, we know how these teams want to play so well. And uh, Mike Tomlin gets in John Harbaugh's head. 
He really does. Uh, I don't know what it is about John Harbaugh um, playing Pittsburgh, but he just melts. Uh, his decision-making goes down the drain. Uh, a guy who's typically you typically you don't hear a lot about, man, this guy doesn't know how to manage the clock. He doesn't know how to do uh, anything well at the end, like timeouts and stuff like that. When the Ravens play the Steelers, they make boneheaded decisions. Yep. And Lamar Jackson makes boneheaded throws or lets TJ Watt sneak up on him and strip the football. Um, I don't know. I, there is always, always a chance. I was talking to my wife earlier to, today because she's a Browns fan. I, that's pretty well documented at this point. I said there are two teams that couldn't be in the in the playoffs in the AFC this year that the Ravens should not want to face, and it's Cleveland and yep. Pittsburgh. Uh, and if Pittsburgh somehow doesn't get in, then Baltimore should be uh, running laps, giving high fives because um, – you know, that, that is one of those teams that they do not want to face in the playoffs and, and the, the Browns would be the other one. But I think for the Ravens, it doesn't matter who else it is. I think that they will probably win. Buffalo could scare them, I think. But outside of that, Kansas city doesn't scare me if I'm Baltimore and um, Miami for sure. Doesn't after we just dropped 56 on them and held them to 19 and injured their best defensive player after he was still out there in the fourth quarter of a, 30 plus point beat down. Um, good grief. I uh, it, take taking this back to where we want it to be a little bit here. Mason Rudolph, you, you go beat Miami or Kansas city and you have to go to Baltimore. You got to feel like there is a decent shot. Ironically enough, as laughable as it sounds for this team to be uh, making a, a trip to some town for the AFC championship. It's really stupid to to be able to even think about that but just to take it one step further could you imagine the irony of mason rudolph after beating whoever it may be miami kansas city buffalo in the first round then you have to go to baltimore game that neither of us are super scared about like there's a legitimate shot the Steelers yeah. could come away with that next best team really the by the way teams are playing is the cleveland browns right now could you imagine mason in an <laughs> afc championship game Going back up against Miles Garrett, a renewing of the instant from four or five wow. years ago. Yeah. Um, that and it's Mason Rudolph versus Joe Flacco. I mean, <sighs> good grief. That's throwback AFC North football, I guess. <laughs> and I, That's I, crazy. I, if the Steelers aren't involved in any of this at this point, I think the greatest scenario in the world would be for the Cleveland Browns to beat the Baltimore Ravens with Joe Flacco as their starting yes, quarterback. That would be awesome. It would be That'd wonderful. Be awesome. <laughs> Anyways, um, let I wanted to talk about Mason Rudolph for 2024 as well because yeah. it's just such an, an intriguing topic now. Because I mean, there's reports out there that Kenny Pickett was told he, that he's not going to start the rest of the season, and he was not happy about it, and so that's why he was inactive against Seattle. Um, and nobody's really writing about it, talking about it. Um, I don't know if that's true or not. That's coming from Mark Madden. So yeah. take it with a, the grain of salt that, that you would. Um, but, you know, uh, I'm not saying that he's totally doesn't have any sources either. Right. Um, but whatever the case is, doesn't it feel like the picket window has kind of organically closed a little bit um, because of the of the ineptitude number one 
all season long. And then you finally give it over to a guy that you had, like they've always talked about Mason Rudolph. We had a first round grade on Mason Rudolph, turn it back over to him. And he actually gives you points on the board and an efficient offense and targets your best receiver and gets through his progressions. Um, if they're seeing such a night and day difference in that area, they might be like, well, Kenny just doesn't have it. And if that's the case, Andrew, are you bringing back Mason Rudolph in 2024 to compete with whoever else is there for the starting job for the Pittsburgh Steelers in the 2024-2025 NFL season? I think the Steelers may not have any other great choices but to bring him back. Because we know that the front offices, uh, I know the coaches are always focused on more the what's going on right then. We know the front offices talk about all the time how they don't focus, they don't predicate one uh, one draft or one free agency period off just that off season. They're looking ahead to the future off season, the off season ahead of them. You know, th- this point last year, the Steelers, Omar Khan and Andy Weidel, they were already looking at this draft as well. They were already looking at what this year's free agency class was going to look like. They knew what the options were going to be so that it's not like the Steelers are unfamiliar they're not just now jumping into the pre-draft process oh well are there any quarterbacks that we want to go after more like the Steelers have done a lot of homework on these quarterbacks already they know that a Caleb Williams or Drake May is not going to be available to, for the taking more than likely Jaden Daniels will not be either any of the other quarterbacks if that you don't see them is a great upgrade nor do you see a Gardner Minshew or Jacoby Brissett in free agency as a great upgrade unless you plan on trading for a Kyler Murray or Justin Fields those are really your only options so if you're not willing to trade for one of those other quarterbacks I don't think you're finding a clear-cut upgrade from the guys you have in-house right now you could see the exact same quarterback room you have this year I know Steelers fans don't want to see Trubisky come back but they're not saving a whole lot of money by getting rid of him they owe him a decent bit of money so you got to hope that somehow you can with a new system, new offensive system coming in place, maybe you can at least get enough out of him to remain a backup. But with Rudolph, I think you that may be the situation because it, while we while Pickett definitely had his issues this year, and I'm not entirely sold that he's the guy, he did look better in the one game without Matt Canada. The Sears did have 400 yeah. yards of offense in that game, and he looked better. So, And that was a big reason why I was a little bit concerned about going to Rudolph originally because – you want to see what you can get out of Pickett, but maybe the Steelers, they know they're not going to get their answer they want within two games at the end of the season, pulling Pickett back out there. So they're like, let's just ride with Rudolph. Yeah, especially since he's been hurt. Right. And you don't yeah. want to risk it further injury. That's another issue that comes with his, you know, longevity. But I think you have to bring someone in. You Pickett's at this point, there's no way he's going to get the starting job, I don't think, by himself yeah. at this point because he hasn't proven anything whether it's Mason or somebody else, I've got to think there's going to be competition since the Steelers didn't really get an answer yes or no for sure this year based upon what they saw of Pickett because he hasn't had a fair shot outside of Kanda's offense outside of one game that he looked pretty good in. But Mason Rudolph looked even better. So you can't just say that, you know, we got to disregard Mason because Mason, like you said, you said a minute ago, the Steelers, we talk about Pickett being drafted to be the heir, and yes, he was a first-round pick, and the Steelers don't like to admit when they were wrong. But, they drafted Mason to be the heir. Yeah, they said they had a first did. round pick on him. They drafted him with the intention of him taking over for Ben Roethlisberger. So yep. I, the Steelers still have a lot of respect for Mason. They may not have believed that he was capable of this after seeing him for several years, but they kept him around over Josh Dobbs for a reason. I was critical about that in the middle of the season. You know, why did we keep Mason Rudolph around when we could have just kept Josh Dobbs? Yeah, but 
it's coming around. The Steelers obviously saw something enough to hold on to him. And now that may be paying enough dividends to actually take the Steelers somewhere as yeah. crazy as that may seem. We may be saying a totally different tune at this time next week, starting our draft talk and free agency talk. But yeah, at this point in time, things look pretty optimistic for the Steelers to be able to get into the playoffs. And it's because of the play of Mason Rudolph. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, part of me also says, you know, this is a really good two game stretch from Mason Rudolph, but this is the kind of quarterback he is big plays down the field. If they're there and good running game, uh, supporting the rest of it, making the play action game work. <coughs> what we haven't seen is Rudolph take the team on his back and go down the field and win football games and, you know, be a franchise caliber quarterback. He hasn't had to do that in these two games. So is that something that we would ever see out of Mason Rudolph? Calling me skeptical there. But as far as 2024 goes, um, here, here's what I would do if I'm Pittsburgh. I, I definitely bring back Kenny Pickett because, you know, what a, the, we've only seen him two years and it's been in the worst offensive system in NFL history. And so get him in something new that is not the worst offensive system in NFL history. Mm-hmm. And but what you do is you bring him back this next year and you say, Kenny, listen here um mason rudolph played better than you at the end of the last uh, at the end of last season and um you know if you want the starting job you're gonna have to absolutely fight for it and show us that you're better um and also we're gonna draft somebody (laughs) uh so you're gonna have two-way competition three-way competition here between yourself rudolph and whoever we draft, wherever we draft him. Okay. Uh, this is going to be a three man competition going into the year. And just know we feel good about Mason Rudolph holding us down until we figure something out. So help us figure this out because I, I don't think Mason Rudolph is your long term starting quarterback, even the way he's playing. Um, but can he absolutely be a playoff caliber bridge quarterback in 2024? Yeah. He can, and I think that the Steelers are going to spend a lot of money in free agency this offseason, building up the roster, getting good players, solid players across the board um, at key positions, especially on defense, Um, and then they're going to draft well, as they always do, and so you're you're going to have to bring your A game, Kenny Pickett, and we want to see you do it, but just know we feel extremely comfortable with number two stepping back in as our quarterback in 2024. So nothing's guaranteed. Prove that you deserve it. And that's how they should handle it because Mason Rudolph, not a franchise quarterback. I think I don't think he's a franchise quarterback. Can he pick it at this point? Not a franchise quarterback. But which one of those guys do you prefer if if what you've seen from one is that, yeah, he shows flashes, but he just can't score points. And the other one is, yeah, he's got his limitations, but at least we're scoring points. At least he's hitting our number one wide receiver and making him a part of the offense. At least he can get through his progressions and not bail the pocket after 1.5 seconds. Um, That's a huge part of it as well. So uh, it's going to be really interesting to watch, but I I just don't know. I don't know how you're going to handle it really as the Steelers, because you you've invested a lot in Kenny Pickett, obviously with the first round pick Um, Mason Rudolph has kind of just been there. Shoot, if he plays well enough to close out the season, 
the Steelers might not be able to afford him next offseason, and uh, he'll end up somewhere else um, on a bigger paycheck. So we'll see how that goes. But um, that's just my thoughts on the subject there, Andrew, um, to kind of close it out for me. No, I agree with a lot of what you're saying. I wanted to ask you one question. If the Steelers will owe, would still owe Trubisky about $5 million, because from your mindset, do you think that the team just eats that $5 million? Do you think they just eat it? Do you think, I mean, I know Trubisky's played bad this year, but do you think there would be a team out there that would offer a seventh-round pick just to have a secure veteran behind their quarterback, and maybe you can get at least something out of him? Do you bring him back knowing that you've, you're 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 literally just counting a bunch of dead money money that you paid him because yeah. most of next year's money is guaranteed do you just bring him back as that third quarterback as another guy who could compete and another guy who may have been badly affected by a bad offensive system and yeah. maybe he needs a new offensive system as well and would look better in it what do you think the team does with trubisky i think they move on um i think tomlin's not a fan of his style of play um after seeing it in action and I think that that is going to be the deciding factor there. So I don't think they bring him back. Um, I think you can eat that money. You've got plenty of cash this offseason, or you should. Um, so I don't think it's a, a huge, um, you know, you're not putting yourself behind the numbers too bad just to eat that. But move on, get new blood in there um, to compete uh, with Rudolph and, and pick it. And it's time to move on from from uh, Mitch Trubisky. I, I one thing that I really wish the Steelers would have done more is at least allowed him to run, use his legs more often, because that was the one area where Mitch that's the one advantage he had in this quarterback room is that he could use his legs and it was effective doing so. And really, when yeah. we saw him, the one good year he was with Chicago, they let him just run whenever he had the ability to. He didn't always go through his progressions right, but right. it's still a lot of RPOs. Yeah. A lot yeah. of RPOs work for him. Um, if you did bring him back, it's because you bring in a system that has more RPOs and uh, more, you know, ability for the quarterback to use athleticism. But if you're going to do that, then go trade for Justin Fields and run it with him and, and don't even worry about <laughs> uh, keeping Mitch Trubisky back there. So, um, you know, that that's my other thing here is maybe go trade for somebody like Fields. Um, and build your offense around him. Uh, you know, one of my thoughts this offseason that I haven't really exp- – or this season that I haven't expressed really out in the ether that much is what if the Steelers went all Baltimore Ravens and Lamar Jackson only with Justin Fields, traded for him, brought him in, and then what if they hired Greg Roman as their offensive coordinator and he built a, a Lamar Jackson-like uh, uh, attack around – around Justin Fields. And then you, you see that Fields is a little bit better arm talent. Um, the Steelers know how to draft receivers. The Ravens don't. So maybe that helps you out in that regard. And um, I don't know, maybe, maybe that's exactly what you need. <laughs> it's an interesting perspective. And in a future week, once the Steelers are done with this run, we want to talk about the assistant coaches, or at least when the season becomes comes to a close just going through ideal candidates for each position on the offensive side of the ball but maybe even you know going to the defensive side as well but it's gonna be interesting conversation when we get to that but jeremy 
For one, congratulations for the listeners who have not heard, which I don't think any listeners have. Jeremy won a fantasy league amongst different Pittsburgh yes. bloggers, and uh, I believe he's a two-time champion of that league yep. now, two years in a row. Jeremy, what do you have on the horizon with fantasy football coming to a close? What do you have on the horizon coming to the Steel Curtain Network? Yeah, so um, oh, Steelers Q&A, we're going to st- still be doing that. Obviously, the, the fix here, um, I'm going to be trans- transitioning from the power rankings and my uh, fantasy articles every week to doing uh, some other stuff. I'm not totally sure what I'm going to do with that yet. I'm going to talk with uh, our editors, Jeff and, and everybody like that to discuss how they want to go forward with some of that. This off season uh, may take a little bit of a step back with, with some of the um, number of podcasts I'm doing this off season, just uh, because it's been busy and it'd be nice to have a little break, but, um, and you know, fantasy football doesn't happen during the off season. So we'll, we'll probably take a pause there, but uh, continue to look for me on steel network.com and fans for sports, dot com and then uh, on the ffsn nfl feed uh until further notice be sure to follow us on x twix x space twitter if you still call it that <laughs> at ffsn underscore nfl at steel c network at fans first sn you can find us anywhere any of those three make sure you like follow do whatever you have to do. I don't know all these technological terms with all these podcast platforms, but make sure you're subscribed wherever you're listening to this fine podcast. Make sure to check out all of our other podcasts that you can check out on the great Steel Curtain Network, your one-stop shop for all things Pittsburgh Steelers. It's been a fun one, Steelers fans. We'll see you next week, hopefully talking about the Steelers. Yeah, I'll